Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, hello. Merry Christmas to everyone. Doesn't it look beautiful in the building today? It's so nice to have all the lights and ready to go. If you have your Bibles, however you get them, electronic or book form, go ahead and turn to Psalm 80. And we're going to read the entire Psalm here in just a moment. But while you're doing that, I have a couple of of, uh, things that I want to talk to you about. First is you're going to need, if you're watching online or here in the building, you're going to need a piece of paper and something to write with. Now, If you're here in the building and you don't have any of those things, if you look, uh, if you're in this section on this far side of each pew, there should be a little stack of papers. Pass them down if you have your own journal or whatever. This is not going to be for note-taking. This is going to be for something specific near the three-quarter way through the message today. So go ahead and pass those down. Get out something to write. If you're online, go ahead and find something in your home or wherever you're watching. You're going to want to participate with us here in a bit. The second part is I want to put in another plug for Pancakes with Santa. We really, really want to make sure that we have enough people helping to set up, to tear down, and to do things like games and interact with people. Uh, this is really an incredible event where Haverhill Elementary, Deidre has been doing a lot of connecting in her uh, ministry as director of connecting and serving ministries and administration. And they announced, like they put out flyers, they let us do all of that. And so we're anticipating that Haverhill is coming and they're sending their folks here and we want to be ready for them and welcoming for them. So Lori, would you stand up for just a second? I want to make sure that everybody knows who you are. If you can help. Yes. Lori is the person, if you are able to help, come see Lori right after the service. Don't wait. This is going to be an incredible event. All right. So we have Psalm chapter 80. Well, Psalm 80. Let's read this together. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Those are strange names. Those are three tribes of Israel, if you're, if you're kind of new to this. Just want to make you aware of that. Awaken your might. Come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. How long, Lord God Almighty, will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us an object of derision to our neighbors and our enemies mock us. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. You transplanted a vine from Egypt. 
You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea, its shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls? So that all who pass by pick its grapes, boars from the forest ravage it, and insects from the fields feed on it. Return to us, God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine. The root of your right hand has planted. The sun you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down. It is burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand. The son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. It's the word of God for the people of God here and online. And our response is, thanks be to God. Well, you might be thinking, well, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Boy, this doesn't sound like where are, where's the manger? Where's the, the angel? Where's the, where's Mary and the baby? And all? we will get to that. <laughs> we will get to that. But right now we need to begin where the story of Christmas truly begins. And that is in longing. So we'll get there. Hang in with us. Come all four Sundays and be ready for our great celebration on Christmas Eve night where we celebrate the coming of Jesus the Savior, the Son of Man that God has raised up for Himself. Well, I don't know if you know this, but poetry is difficult. How many of you uh, enjoyed learning poetry when you were in English class? Some of you? Okay, some of you. How many of you like, just like, I just don't get it. Like, eh. okay, so some of you, you're with me. I, I found poetry to be very, very difficult. In, in fact, as we're looking at this, because psalms are really like poets or, or poetry or song or songs. They, they kind of flow and, and they, they have a purpose. And I needed to, to look. Okay, so remind me again. It's been a long time since I've studied poetry. What is the purpose of poetry? So I found this definition. I think it fits. I think it works well. That the purpose of poetry is to help the writer, the person who is writing the poem, to express their emotions. And, in turn, to help the readers connect with those emotions in themselves. And that's tough. Because in our modern day Western world, we like more instruction manuals. We like to get information that helps us live our life or build the thing or do whatever we need. We are more geared for that. Poetry and poets, like our psalmist today... Wants us to, to gain some knowledge, but it's more experiential knowledge. It's more felt knowledge. And so as we enter into this part today, I'm going to encourage you to just allow it. If you begin to feel something there, know that the psalm is working. That the poem is doing its job. Because the purpose is for that poem 
to find those emotions within ourselves. I remember sometimes it's not comfortable. I remember my English, my one and only English class in uh, university, and it was taught by Dr. Robinson Bland. And he was a great guy. I thought, well, you know, it's English. It's not my favorite subject to, to take. It's kind of repetitive. You kind of learn the same things every year from the time you're in fifth grade through university. But he was energetic. He was pretty good. He was there for the first two weeks. And then all of a sudden, for about four or five weeks, he was gone and he had someone subbing in. And we found out that Someone was subbing in because his son, little son, child son, had passed away to a long, after a long battle with cancer. And I didn't really know Dr. Dr. Bland that well, but when he came in, he was much different from the guy who read the syllabus to us. And one of the things that he began to do is at the beginning of class... And sometimes also at the end of class, he would read us poetry that he had written about the grief process with his son. And it was intense. And and I didn't have this definition of that's the purpose of poetry. All I knew is that at 20 or 19, however old I was at that time, I didn't want to feel this. You know, 1920, you're invulnerable. You don't think about the end and death and, you know, all these kinds of things. And so to hear this grown man, a man who's up at the front of the room, so garners some respect and who is the doctor who is teaching the class, sometimes break into tears himself, made those feelings come up for me. And it was hard. I, I, I remember I always liked leaving that class because I wasn't allowing the poem to do its work on me. So today, I, my hope is as we look at this, that we will allow the poem, the psalm, to do its experiential felt knowledge in us. Because the truth is, we begin the story that moves us into the joy of Christmas with longing. And people had been longing for a long time. I want us to to look at this, because when we look at Advent beginning with longing, then we need to understand that lament, which is the type of poem that you have read today, lament is the language of longing. That we long for things to be put right. We long for things to be healed. We long for the situation to work out. We long for peace in the midst of war. And the language that we use during that time is to lament. Now there are four things I want to teach you really quickly about this lament in particular. And then we'll get into our little pieces of paper here in just a second, okay? Let me, let me run through these really quick. First of all, I want you to know that lament is actually hopeful. Lament is actually hopeful. We see this in, in verses one through three when he, when the psalmist writes, hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, awaken your might, come and save us, restore us, O God, make your face shine on us that we might be saved. Did you catch it? 
he, he lists out these wonderful attributes of God. This psalmist, this poet actually believes that God has the power and the ability to change the outcome. That's the difference between lament and just complaint. Complaint is just words that we send out into the sky, but we really don't believe that anyone can actually come into the situation and make change. Lament does the complaint, brings forth the situation with the absolute hope and belief that the one we are speaking to has the ability to change the outcome. That's what makes it different. This is truly an act of faith. I know in our day and age, we struggle with saying words like this to God. I loved, as I was studying for this reading, that 70% of the Psalms are these types of Psalms. But less than 50% of modern worship songs deal with lament. And what happens when that begins to be the case we begin to become uncomfortable with expressing those tougher emotions to God. And yet, from the very beginning, the people of God have allowed for the tough seasons to be a part of worship, not excluded from worship. So if you come in in a difficult situation today, I pray you'll understand this and begin to see this. Number two, lament is honest, brutally honest. I mean, we see this in, in verses 4 through 7. How long, Lord God Almighty, will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us an object of derision to our neighbor and our enemies mock us before returning to restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. They don't hold back. They go straight at this. And they lay the blame at the feet of God. Does that make you uncomfortable? I mean, it's you have. You have. How long will you? You have. I know it's tough. But sometimes it is only the situations of our world that will finally allow us the faith to come to God with exactly how we feel. And I want you to hear again, it is okay to be honest because the truth be, be told, he uses all of these, these great things. You have fed them bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us a joke. They don't hold back because honesty is the first step towards healing. We must name what is really going on, the feelings that we really have, and bring those into the presence with hope that there is one who will actually and can actually do something about it. We've got to move on. Number three, lament is historic. We see this in verses 
8 through 15, where he looks back and he begins to tell the story of Israel very quickly in just a few short verses, 8 through 15. And I want you to hear, he, he talks about how you transplanted the vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it and it took root and it filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea, its shoots to the river. He looks back and he sees the goodness of what God has done and through God's mighty works, what God was able to accomplish without going into all of Israeli history or Jewish history at that time. They were slaves in Egypt and they were brought out by God's mighty hand and they were planted in the land and they did well. It blossomed for a long period of time. The poet uses this metaphor of a vine, this beautiful, gentle, cleared ground, moved in, planted with your hand, seen as flourishing from the sea, which would have been the Mediterranean, to the Euphrates River, the great river. That was their sphere of influence. Those were the good old days. I want you to know that it's okay when you are lamenting to look back into the history for the good stuff. And even then, to contrast it to the situation, the honest situation that you're dealing with now, and to declare that with hope that the one who is hearing you actually is able and willing to do something about it. You see how this lament begins to work in us to bring things forward. But the poet goes on and he brings in this metaphor and he begins to use these very strong words. We've heard some of them. He peppers them throughout the entire poem. Bread of tears, broken walls, ravaged by boars, bowls of tears. Hey, those all begin with B. Bitten by insects. There's another one I didn't put up there. But you begin to see how many of you, we live in Michigan during the spring and summer, how many of you have been bitten by insects? Brings up feelings, doesn't it? Hopefully none of you have been ravaged by boars. Bread of tears. Broken walls. We begin to see these are things that are happening opposite of the way it is supposed to go. And the psalmist wants this language to cause something to come up in us. Remember that our purpose of poetry is to help the writer express their emotions and in turn help us, the readers, to connect to those emotions in ourselves, within us today. Let's move on. The last one is that the lament is honing. It hones us down. We see this in verses 16 through 19. Or we begin, maybe honing is a tough word. It just rhymed with, it had the same H, so we're going with that today. But the poet sums it all up, zeroes in on something, and in one sentence brings the whole lament down into kind of one sentence. Sums it up, your vine is cut down and burned. People are perishing at your rebuke. Brings it down. He, he hones it. He focuses it. It's kind of like all of it has been going. I've been using metaphors and language and all of these kinds of things to try and capture my emotions and, and invite other people to into it. But now this lament has honed down and here's the deal. The vine 
is cut down and it's burned. It's smoldering, which means everything has been consumed. There's nothing left but just the little all the way down, nothing. There's just a little smoke and heat coming off of it. And people are perishing. He zeroes in. He hones in. The lament hones in. But then it also hones in on something else. Something begins to shift in verse 17. It zeroes on in on where future hope can begin. When he writes, The man, let, the, let your hand rest on the man at your right hand. The son of man that you have raised up for yourself. Now, most scholars, as I read this and as I studied for this, said, well, they were hoping for another king. But you and I on this side of the manger, on this side of Calvary, on this side of the empty grave, we remember the gospel stories, or if you're new to it, I'll just let you know, that the title that Jesus used for himself more than any other title was the Son of Man. And so we know That when the lament has done its work and we have declared to the one with hope who can bring something to bear on our situation, when we are brutally honest with this one, and when we can compare and contrast the history of what was good with what is our current reality, it begins to hone us and it begins to to shape and let us know with certainty what the problem is and begins then to hone in and do the work of where the hope can be. And for us, for you and for me, it is in the child of the manger, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man. And this psalmist, this poem, whatever is going on, the Holy Spirit begins to hone in them where the hope can be found, where the future can be found. It also does one last part of the honing. It actually zeroes in on their part when he writes, then, let me go back, then we will not turn away from you. When this one comes, then we will not turn away from you. Did he catch the subtleness of it? Then we will not turn away, which means actually right now we may have turned away. And if you read the history of Israel that's found in Scripture, it is not all roses and daisies and grapevines that grow from the sea to the river. They continued to turn away and turn away and turn away. They began to hone in on the fact that they might have something to do in this. But then the psalmist ends with that phrase that we read three different times throughout the Scripture. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make Your face shine on us that we may be saved. He comes back to hope in the end. Well, here's where I want you to take out your sheet of paper, and I want us to do something together. You know me, it's not all about just imparting knowledge into your heads. I hope that sometimes there are actions for us to participate in. If you're new, um, this is not to embarrass anyone. Uh, You can do whatever you are comfortable with. But I want to come... Isn't this beautiful? 
Kimber and, and some folks did this stage. <laughs> Today, with that piece of paper, well, it is everywhere. I'd like for us to do something. Have a place to write. You can write what you want. Kids, if you're here, you can take a piece of paper. You can write something or you can draw a picture. It's okay. You can participate in this as well. What I'm going to invite you to begin to do on that piece of paper is to enter into the lament and to use whatever language of longing you need to use. For some of you, it may just be tears falling on a page. For some of you, it may be to write a name. But begin to ask yourself, remember that the purpose of poetry is, yes, to help the writer express their emotions. And I think the psalmist did a beautiful job. But in turn, it's time for us now to be connected to the emotions in us that connect with this poem, this psalm. And so I want to ask you, what is this poem, what is this psalm awakened in you today? I, I, maybe, maybe you need to hear it this way. What situation in your life, which situation in your life right now is your bread of tears? It's supposed to be something that sustains me. That's what bread is. But it's just tears. And it seems like that's all I'm getting. Is there a situation in your life like that today? Write that down. In whatever ways you choose. No one's going to read these. Maybe you connected with the, the, the vine metaphor, that things just seemed to be flourishing and growing and, and it was wonderful and, and it was bringing so much vitality to my life, but now it's just burned up. It's smoldering. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's, maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a job that just seemed to give you so much and now just seems to be gone. Maybe it's a child that's far from the Lord. Whatever it is, take some time. Write those down. What wall of protection is broken down? It's supposed to be there to help. Maybe you'd be so bold as to even point fingers at God today. Where are you in the midst of this? Whatever that is... It seems to be broken in your life. Maybe it's your own heart. I invite you to write or kids to draw a picture, whatever that might be for you, for them. Are there situations, maybe there's some honing that needs to happen? Are there some situations where you feel you have turned away from God? And maybe that's part of the brokenness and the, the cracking of the wall the smoldering of the vine. Will you be honest about that? Write some of that down in whatever language you need to. Will you dare, folks, to let lament do its work in you today? I know Christmas packages, presents, excitement. But let's not rush. That's going to come. 
that's going to be here before you know it. But right now, today, we begin like the children of Israel so long ago, longing for the Son of Man, whom God raised up for Himself to come. Will you dare to enter in? Go ahead. Some of you I see writing already. Write some of those things down. Draw some of those things out. Dare to be honest today. Dare to be historic Yes, look at the goodness of the past. Contrast it with your present. It's okay. Will you allow the lament to hone you today? Whatever that looks like for you. I'm going to give you about another minute. Go ahead. And I'm going to invite you when you're done to fold that many times as you would like to. And in just a moment, we're going to sing what's now become, I guess, an old song, an oldie but goodie, that was based right on this psalm. Lord, let your light shine on us, that we may be saved, that we may have life. While that happens, I'm going to invite us right now all to stand. I'm going to pray. And then as we are singing, will you dare to sing with gusto this lament? And if you have something written, I'm going to invite you to come and just place it here in the manger. And let that hone you. Let it let, go, let, let you let go of that and give that to the one, the Son of Man, whom God has raised for Himself. Let that begin to be the beginning of your walk towards Christmas Day. But let's pray. Father, thank You so much for this lament, which sounds so strange to say. And yet... And yet, this ancient poem has done its work on us. I pray that we would just continue to declare to you with hope the situation as it is. May we be honest about that, historic about that. Let it hone us. And then let it return us to hope. Father, today I pray for those who have written things down or drawn pictures. I pray that as they release that into the manger, that they would begin even now to receive the gift of joy, the joy of every longing heart. For I pray and ask this in the name of the Son of Man, whom God has raised up for Himself, the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Deb, would you lead us? And then then if you have one that you want to lay in the manger, you just come as you are. There's not going to be any rhyme or reason to it. Just come. Take your time. Take your moment. If you want to pray for a moment at the altar, you can do that. We'll dismiss here in just a moment. But right now, let's sing and let's move towards the manger. Lord, let your light, light up your face. 
start Advent. Amen. Well, I want to send you out with blessing as I always do. And so receive this benediction. And now my brothers and sisters, my friends here and online, may you know that if your heart feels empty and low in this Christmas season, there's a place for you in Jesus. May you feel the desire and the comfort to move into longing and to declare it with hope and with honesty to look back at the good past to be historic may you allow that work through this season to hone you and to return you back to hope 
I pray that you would go with that light and that hope shining on you. And may you begin to share that light and hope with someone around you. And I pray this in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in His name. Thanks for joining us online. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next week. Merry Christmas. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.